If you have your Bible this morning, turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7. That's where we're going to be in the Word of God today. And I really, really, the last few days, I was even talking to Leah yesterday, and I said, man, I'm kind of pulled in two different directions, and I'm not really sure which one. And as I continue to pray throughout the day, the Lord led me back to, I thought last week would be our last time in the, in the thought of road trip. Everybody say road trip. We are on the road trip of life. We've been talking about that the last three weeks. I thought last week would be the final one. But I actually want to kind of circle back to something that the Lord began to show me this past week. And I didn't know if it was personal or if it was for uh, consumption by the whole entire body. So the Lord continued to speak. And I want to talk again about the two roads. Everybody say two roads. Look, there's, there's one road that leads to destruction, the Bible says, and there's one road that leads to life and the, the, the blessed life. And as we've talked about that over the last few weeks, I want to circle back to this thought of there being two roads because let me kind of lay out what the Lord showed me and uh, look in the Word of God because anytime the Lord shows you something, it's got to line up with God's Word. Amen? As the most important element is, does it line up with what God's saying? And this isn't anything just earth-shattering, but this is, this is how the Lord showed it to me. When I began to talk about the two roads that we're going to look at in Matthew 7, when Jesus simply said, hey, the broad is the way, and, and there's the leads of destruction, and there's many who find it, which is a hard truth, number one, this morning, that there's a lot more people that are heading towards destruction than they're on the path of life. So that's a very sobering thought, and you won't hear that taught in a lot of churches because I think we just kind of want to say, oh, we're all heading in the same direction. No, the world is heading in one way, and if you're following Jesus, you should be heading in a completely different way. So my thought when I've read that many, many, many times throughout the years, especially in pastoring, my thought was that if you're going to take the broad way, it's very easy to find culture. You just jump in with what everybody else is doing. In other words, you just go with the flow. Whatever the world's doing is what you're doing. And if you're on that path, then you need to evaluate if you're on the path that leads to destruction or if you're on the path that leads to life. And what God began to show me is, is if you had the path that leads to destruction on the left and the path that leads to life on the right, then they're completely separate paths that are so far separated that they would never intertwine or you'd never come close. And what the Lord began to show me, and this is what I want to talk about today in relation to road trip, to traveling, to walking the path that God has out before us, is those two paths are very close together. Good and evil run on the same track, y'all. Are you hearing me this morning? I'm going to explain that this morning. In other words, is when God calls us to be on the path of life, Oftentimes we think that that's going to completely separate us and take us to a place where we no longer are called to reach over to the other path and pull people from the path of destruction over to the path of life. But here at Revival, or, uh, Christian Center Church, I almost said my old church name, here at Christian Center Church, we want you to know, to grow, and to go. Amen? Amen? That is our heart. I started off this series three weeks ago with letting you know that that really is the heart. So in other words, when God calls you to the path of life in Matthew 7, then we begin to know Him. There's no greater thing in the world than to know Jesus intimately. That is life. That is the, the life that God has called us to live. He is the reward. He is the one who oftentimes we say, okay, I'll follow Jesus because I'm going to get blessed. Or I'll follow Jesus because I want to get out of hell free card. Come on. 
that's the attitude of a lot of people as well. I want to just, a little fire insurance, right? A, a little bit of just, well, what, what if this is true? And that's not really what's following, G, following Jesus is because Jesus is the path. He is the life. He is the truth. He is the way. I want to just hone in this morning on Matthew 7 again and talk about the path of life because God wants to call you. He wants to equip and bless you. And then God wants to send you into the mission field that is the world so that we can call out to the people that we see are on the path of destruction and call them over to the path of life. Amen? Is anybody else beside me just thankful that Jesus saved you and put you on the path of life? Man, we are, again, we are the most blessed people that you could imagine. So let's look at Matthew 7 this morning as our text. I won't be super long. My daughter threatened me not to preach too long this morning. I guess she's, she's hungry or something. Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only few Find it. Father, for these next few minutes and moments as we focus in on your word, Lord, we pray today that your Holy Spirit would be with us. Father, would you help us today to take that next step in the journey with you? God, whatever that is for each individual person. God, that may be laying off the sin and the weight that so easily besets them. God, that may be, Father, putting putting themselves and separating them from the things of the world and people who are influencing them and problems that are right there in front of us, God, today. And Father, today we pray that everything said of me would go by the wayside, but whatever said under the unction and anointing of Holy Spirit, that God, it would go into the hearts of these precious people of God and grow fruit. Father, fruit of change and fruit of your promises and blessing, God, today. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. When we're on the path of life, God calls us, so we're called to know him. God wants us to be discipled, so that's where relationship with other believers, that's where Bible studies, that's where all those things come into play as we begin to grow in our faith. But oftentimes we stop there and forget that when God called his disciples, he called them, literally it says in the word, he called them to be with him. And as they they walked out this life with Jesus, he was teaching them what the most important things of life were. And in Luke 9, you don't have to turn there, but this is what Jesus said. When Jesus had called, everybody say called, the 12 together, he gave, everybody say gave, gave, them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So I want to point out there, he called them, he gave them. And then he blessed them with power and authority and sent them. So he called them, we're called to know him. He, he brought them and gave them blessing of power and authority. They began to grow in the grace and blessing of God. And then God says, hey, look, I've called you to be with me, but I'm still going to anoint you and give you power and to give you my presence to go out into a lost and dying world and to see people called from the path of destruction over to the path of life. That's what he's calling us to do. And the enemy knows that when you start down the journey, you repent, put your faith in Jesus, you begin the journey down the path of life, the path that God has, that, bless you, the enemy has some well-worn tools he's going to use to try to get you off that path. Can I get an amen this morning? 
I mean, think about it. He, the Bible says clearly that he has a purpose for coming, and his purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said he came that we may have life and to have it abundantly. So the path that God wants us on is a path of blessing, growth, and abundant life. And if I could just paint a picture of the enemy, and if you're a believer, I want to remind you this morning, you have an enemy. Amen? So when you're walking down the path, you're walking in parallel junction with the path that's wide, and there's many people on it who are heading towards destruction. You're a believer, so you're gathered with other believers, and you're walking down the path called life. And here's what I want to tell you about the path, and I talked about it in depth last week and won't do it again. But there are certain tools or roadblocks or speed bumps. I try to think of maybe something to call it. Let's just call them stop signs that the enemy throws up in front of us that is going to try to discourage you from walking the path and growing into everything God wants you to be. Amen? The first thing this morning is distraction. Everybody say distraction. Well, that's a well-worn tool of the enemy, isn't it? I think oftentimes we think, well, the enemy's going to come and he's going to try to, you know, give me a disease or he's going to try to tear my family apart or he's going to try to get me to cheat on this or do, do that or blah. And we say all those things. And sometimes it's the most well-worn tools of the enemy are sometimes the simplest tools that simply keep us distracted. If you're on a road, and we all know this, if you're on the road, distracted driving is the worst thing that you can do, Right. And there's a lot of names for Satan in the Bible. There's the Satan, which simply means the accuser. He's called the serpent. He's called the wily one. He's called you know, the one who will come and lie and cheat and kill, steal and destroy. There's all these different names. But there's one name that I thought of when I was thinking of the distractions on the road that God has us on that he uses all the time. And the name for Satan in the Bible, it's not often used, but it's called Beelzebub. Do you know what that means? That means the Lord of the flies. A fly won't kill you, but a fly will distract you. Amen? Oh, come on. You ever been sitting and there comes a fly? It's like you're not paying attention to anything else or your food or anything. You are now distracted because of what they... You see, when we are to keep our eyes on Jesus, you are to keep your eyes on God's glory and God's goodness and His, His, His blessings in your life. And we're to keep our eyes fixed on Him because you can never get down the road trip of life unless you have a fixed point that you're traveling to. So many people are just wandering all over the place and they don't know where they're heading. Do you know what this morning that the enemy uses? He uses good old-fashioned distraction to keep you from moving down the path of life today. So, well, take Peter for instance, right? Peter is in the boat. Jesus is walking on the water. And he looks up and sees Jesus and he says, Lord, at your word, Jesus says, come. I love this about Peter. He gets out of the boat. I'm sure all the other people in the boat are like, he's going to sink. You ever, you ever get people around you that just believe that, Man, what are they doing? Listen, you're stepping out of the boat. And let me tell you something this morning. He did great as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus. He did great. What began to happen was he saw the waves. It says when he looked at the waves, then he began to sink. Can I remind you this morning when you're walking down the path of life that runs parallel with the path of destruction. You're right there along and you're walking down the path of life. The enemy is going to try to get you focused on problems. Everybody say problems. problems. So when it comes to distraction, there's usually just 
people, problems, and pleasures, right? What, what, what about the, the, the pleasures? Everybody say pleasures. The enemy will use pleasures to try to distract you from the place that God's trying to get you, from your destiny this morning. The love of money, it says, is the root of all evil. Come on, can I tell you something this morning? If we are going to be distracted, the enemy knows American Christians. If God has set us on the path, then he has well-worn tools and some things that he may try to distract us off the path of life and to get, to get sidetracked or to get shipwrecked or whatever it is that the enemy is trying to pull you. Because I can guarantee you, God does not want, or the enemy does not want you on God's path of life. He wants you distracted. And sometimes he'll put pleasures... If problems can't get you, come on, then he's going to try to use pleasures. Listen, just because it comes attached to a dollar bill does not mean it's God this morning. Are you hearing your pastor? It doesn't. It doesn't mean that. And I was actually the direction I was heading and I'm like, Lord, I've studied this all week. So you've got to help me tie this in this morning. And he did. I was studying Acts 27 and, and Acts 28, the story of Paul is going to Rome. He's been arrested. He appeals as a Roman citizen that I want to go before Caesar in Rome. And in that story, there's something so amazing. And I think this is one of the things that gets us distracted by pleasure. Because sometimes we think that every door that opens in front of us is a door that God opened. And I came to tell you this morning that not every door that opens is God. Are you hearing me? You say, show me that in Scripture. Look in Acts 27. Paul is getting on a boat to sail to Rome, and they, they get to a point where there's no wind blowing. There's nothing happening. So, of course, I'm sure Paul's praying, God, you know, I'm supposed to get to where... The people on the ship need to get to where they're going. Paul needs to get to where he's going. He's under arrest, so he's under armed guard on the boat. And look, in the story, Paul doesn't have a thus say at the Lord. He just kind of has a feeling, and he goes to him. He says, look, if we continue on and don't stay where we are, then I just kind of have this, this something in my, my knower. You, you know as a Christian, you've got a knower. You do. You know in your knower that what's ahead, we should back off. And that's, that's what called following Jesus on the path of life really is all about. It's about being so connected into the vine that everything that we're focused on, everything that we're moving in, everything that we're moving towards has His name attached to it, and you always know that you're heading in the right direction. It's amazing in the Scripture in Matthew 7 when when He begins to tell them that my sheep know my voice. You notice in there, it doesn't say anything that they ever see the shepherd. We're so moved by what we see. We need to learn how to hear the voice of God. So Paul in this story in Acts 27, he hears the voice of God. He's knowing that this... And and then it says this. It says, and then a south wind began to blow. It's the deception, I call, of the south wind. It's the deception that just because a door is open doesn't mean it's God. You need to pray and see what God has for you. Because on the path of life, if He can't get you with problems and get you distracted by the waves and everything in turmoil all around you. Say you've been walking through turmoil for the last year. And you're like, man, I've kept my eyes on Jesus. I've kept moving forward. I haven't let... These problems. I haven't let the doctor's report distract me. I haven't let what this person over here said persuade me from going forward. And for me in my life, and I've shared this testimony, but let me just briefly share it again. 
I can think back to the most pivotal moments for God to continue to move me down the path of destiny and move me down the path of what he has out in front of me. The pivotal moments usually revolved around saying no to something that looked good. Are you hearing me this morning? But just because it's good, church, doesn't mean it's God. And when you're on the path of life, what you want to be on is a path that leads to everlasting life. And I've shared this testimony before, but I was in business for myself for an entire year. The man who trained me was a landscape architect, and he had trained me and and showed me how to do designs. And he would actually refer jobs because if they weren't huge jobs with his big crew and company he worked for, he would farm it out to me. So I was getting a lot of my business from him. And towards the end of going into the next year, he met with me. We're sitting in a car and we were talking and he simply said, hey, I'm going to bring my crew. I don't like where I work. We're going to, if you want, we'll go into business together. It would have quadrupled my business within one year, maybe even more. And this man was not a believer and I had just become a believer. And me just becoming a believer, I was dangerous Everyone was going to hell but me, y'all. Everyone. And I had him in the car, and I'll never forget this. I've shared this before. I had him in the car, and I reached over, and I locked the door. I had a captive audience. He said, you know I can just lift up the thing and get out, right? I said, well, just making a point, you know. So I'm pouring out my heart to somebody who's not a believer, and this is what I said. I don't know which direction to take. So out in front of me, I had a purpose I had a path, and the enemy, unbeknownst to me, because in my mind, and that's why we can't trust our mind, we have to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And in my mind, I thought, man, I've been serving God a whole year now. The blessings are come. Get Jesus on that main line and tell Him what you want. Jesus, I want a big business, but God had a call on my life. And listen to me, if God opens a door for you to be blessed in business, listen, that's God and He wants to bless you. I'm talking about this man right here. And the distractions that the enemy uses, he's Beelzebub, the Lord of the flies. So he's going to put all these things around you to to obscure God and what His plan and purpose is. And you have to fight through all that spiritually in order to see what He wants clearly. And it was a man who did not know Him that I was witnessing to that looked over at me and he said these words. He said, Doesn't it say in the Bible that God can't serve money and God? And boy, you talk about just a a cut. It was in that moment shortly thereafter as I prayed and got counsel. And I sold everything I had. Began to move down the purpose and plan God had for me. My point is, is that just because something is open in front of you doesn't necessarily mean that it's God. And God in His mercy, listen, when you just say, God, I need to put this in your hands. When the door shuts, don't get upset. Look for the other door that He has. And most of us need to learn on the path that we're on that when you're in the hallway and there is no door open, just praise Him in the hallway till it does. (laughs) Because Paul's on this journey and he's got surrounded by people and he's like, look, I don't really think that... And in the story in Acts 27 with Paul... It wasn't his fault that he was on the boat. It wasn't his fault he was on that boat. It wasn't his fault that somebody else made a decision to sail into a storm. And this wasn't any just any storm. In the Bible, it calls it a Eurocladon, 
which is a huge, massive hurricane that they were selling into. Paul knew it from the Spirit of the Lord. Hey, why don't we just stay here until all this passes by? And they kept going. So many of you ask, man, Pastor, you've been preaching on, for this is the fourth week you've been preaching on purpose and plans and God's path and finding it and being on it on the path of life that God is going to bless you and He's going to encourage you and He's going to lead you down. And you've been talking about this this whole time. What do I do when I get to a place where where I'm at isn't even my fault? Have you ever been there? Me too. So what you do is you trust God. You trust Him that even though maybe it was in that story, He gets shipwrecked. It wasn't even his fault. Did he complain? Did he murmur? Did he get upset? No. He continued to trust God that God is a big enough God to work everything out. Because if he can't get you distracted over here with, with, with the problem, then he will get you distracted with the pleasures. Amen? Amen? That doesn't mean God doesn't want you to enjoy life. God does. But if you're not careful, you can become, like he says in Romans, where people begin to worship the creation rather than the creator. Sometimes we worship our blessings more than we do the blesser. Come on, somebody. Yeah. And that's not the path of life. That's not the path God desires for us to be on. So, again, when you're walking down the path, you're walking parallel right next to the path that leads to destruction, which many people are on. And God wants to empower you and anoint you and give you a destiny that understands He's going to give you these things so that we can then go over to the path of destruction and begin to call people over into the path of life. Amen? So if He can't get you with problems, He'll try to get you with pleasure. And if He can't get you with pleasure, what else is He going to use? I'll tell you what He'll use. He'll use people. Everybody say people. People. Listen. The enemy will use people to keep you from walking in the blessed life. And, and look, I didn't, I didn't use this illustration necessarily last week, so I thought of it during the course of this week. It's the reason I kept kind of being led back to do this today. I talked last week about the people of Israel being delivered from Egypt, and they're walking a path. They're on a road trip. And instead of God taking them the most direct route, he takes them around by the Red Sea. They get to the Red Sea. Pharaoh's like, I'm not going to let them go. So the, the enemy is barreling down on the people of Israel. In other words, have you ever been in a situation where you know your back's against the wall? You know that things are difficult. You know things are hard. You know things are looking like they're not going to turn out for the best. And what the enemy will do, and I'm telling you he will do this, is it's when you're at your most insecure is not when the enemy sends somebody to secure you. They're gonna, have you been in a situation? I, 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 I've been there recently. This was just months and months ago. I was walking through a very insecure season in my life. Incredibly insecure. Had things going on in my life that uh, I've shared this with you that I'm like questioning God, is this the path? Is this really what you want? And I kind of thought somebody would come along just to, man, Pastor, you're great. You're wonderful. You're doing so good. <laughs> no. People came along that wanted to tell me everything I was doing wrong. People come along, and this is the same in your life. Come on, somebody. If if he can't get you with problems and he can't get you with pleasures, then he's going to send people into your life that, listen, you need to discern your relationships is my point. Because I want to make sure the people I'm walking down the path of life with are there encouraging me and in my corner. Amen. 
my goodness, in the world on the path of destruction, you're going to find plenty of people that are going to nitpick and point out your flaws. But we don't serve a God that nitpicks and point out your flaws. We serve a God that's going to put people around you that are going to encourage you. I mean, think of, I think of Jonah, people like Jonah, called, had a purpose, God was wanting to send. And it's interesting in the story of Jonah, it says, and he went and paid for his own ticket on the boat. <laughs> when you're going your own way, you pay your own way. When you're going God's way, it's his bill. Come on, I'm telling you. Am I right, Ginger? I think of Nehemiah. The story of Nehemiah is amazing, and it's, it's where the enemy will use people to try to discourage you from accomplishing what God wants you to accomplish. And in the story of Nehemiah, he's been, listen, this is what we're talking about on the path of life. God gets you on the path of life. Your first step is to know Him, to repent, put your faith and trust, and then you begin a relationship, and then the path is a, one, a journey of growing. And I'm not even scratched the surface of growing in 26 years of walking with Jesus. Anybody else bear witness to that? I've got so much more to do and so much more growth to have. But in those moments as you're walking with Him, He's going to call you to reach out and go over to the path and begin to declare His Word. And Nehemiah was somebody that was anointed with power and with presence and with purpose. And the king says, I want you to go back and I want you to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And the right at the halfway point. So oftentimes, halfway in our journey, the discouragement comes instead of the encouragement that we think will come. Can I encourage you this morning? When people come with discouragement, look to God and His Word and allow Him to encourage you by His Holy Spirit. Because in the story, there's a guy named Sam Balat, S-A-N-B-A-L-L-A-T. And he shows up halfway through the building process. And it's amazing because when he shows up, he shows up and it says in the scripture, it says, and he began to mock the Jews to tell them how weak they were, to tell them how they would never finish, to tell them that there was no way that God would ever use them to rebuild Jerusalem. There's no way that this would ever happen. And isn't it interesting to you, because it was to me, that you would think when the enemy show up to try to get them to stop, they would have had war break out and they would have pulled swords and attacked them and tried to kill them. But I want to tell you something spiritually this morning. The enemy cannot kill your destiny, only you can choose not to follow the path of your destiny. And along the way, you're going to have people that aren't going to come along and say, man, I think you're doing great. There will be seasons when you, you have the enemy put people in your path that are going to try to mock you, scorn you, and try to look down on what God's called you to do. And I'm telling you, we can be like Nehemiah because Nehemiah just looked back at him and said, you can talk, you can roar, you can, you can spout all your lies, but I know who my God is and I know what he called me to do. Amen. Because that's all, listen, the enemy can't kill you. He can only try to intimidate you. And it's at the very moment when you feel like you're so beaten down that the enemy's going to send people around. Yeah, you should really give that up. You know, God, 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 God told you this. Listen, I'm speaking to somebody right now. God told you this 30 years ago, and you have given up on that dream. You've given up on that promise. Can I encourage you today? Some of the things, whether it's 30 years ago or you found something out a week ago, I want you to know that God is faithful and the devil is a liar. Yes. 
as you walk down this path, you've got to understand that it's, if, if the problems can distract you, Beelzebub will get all the problems waving around you. And, and just, listen, in all those stories that I just related, let me tell you what the key is. It's the voice of God in your life. Because when the storm, Jesus gets in the boat and he just he speaks to the storm, peace, be still. So if he can't get you with pleasures, listen, we are in this world, but we're not of this world. Being in this world means that God wants you to enjoy. I've, I've preached on this multiple, multiple times. What a beautiful, gorgeous, awesome world that we live in. Amen? We're blessed. We get to enjoy our family. We get to enjoy our life. We get to enjoy all these parts of our relationship with God. We're walking down the path of life. But I get concerned about myself and anybody else when we're walking down that path of life and we don't understand there's another path that runs parallel that there's many still walking on. And God died for them. Amen? God loves them. God's plan is to get you on the path of life, grow you, anoint you, and give you a purpose so that you can begin to call out to the people that are on this path and say, hey, it's much better over here. And if he can't get you with pleasures, then he will sometimes allow people. So my point is, be careful of the voices that you are listening to. Young people, if you're still in here, be careful of the voices that you're listening to. Be careful of the people you're surrounding yourself with. If you're visiting here, I want you to know the church that you found yourself in this morning. We're going to be your biggest cheerleaders. Amen? Amen. I'm like the Rocky movie. I'm, I'm Coach Mick, y'all. Come on. Get up. Get moving down that path. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. When I'm walking that path, I'm looking for God's red light, yellow light, or green light. And God, Lord, forgive me and you all forgive me. This is just the way my brain works. But when I pull out of Sugar Mill Woods where I live and I turn right on red, which is legal. (laughs) Ain't no lawbreaker, y'all. When there's no cars coming and I can safely turn right on red, I'm sorry this is the way my brain works, but I know if I drive a certain, and it's not speeding too much, (laughs) if I drive a certain speed, then I can catch the light by Walmart. On green. But y'all, lately, I promise you, I feel like there's somebody in some control room somewhere, Brett, that has a camera that's like, here comes Jason Hanks. Turn it to red. And as we're walking down that path, there's when you're praying and you're asking God, God, is this the direction? Am I continuing, continuing on the path of, of life? You've got to pray and say, God, if I need a red light, Give me a red light. God may give you a caution light. Amen? Remember, it's a relationship. You're surrounded by people that all make their own decisions all the time, every day, every week. How God works anything out is beyond me, but he does. (laughs) He's amazing. So the path you're on, as I said last week, it's a prepared path. And and on that path, he's going to give you a red light, green light, or a yellow light. And some of you have a green light in front of you and God has spoken to you, but you've let problems. God, there's just too many waves. I need to get back in the boat. Listen, honey, keep your eyes on Jesus. All the flies, the Lord of the flies, he's he's just distracting you with even pleasures. I mean, there's... Should I say that, Lord? Should I say that? I won't. I won't. 
I think that pleasure has probably done more to distract us from serving God than anything else. Again, as American Christians, and, and you guys know me, I'm, I'm blessed. I enjoy my blessings. But listen, I don't put my blessings above God. I, I don't. Because if, if God told me to lay it all down again, it's like Corey Ten Boom said, I hold things very loosely so that when God takes them from me, he doesn't have to pry them from my hands. Amen? Amen. Live that kind of life on the path and... It's, a, it's an easier life to walk forward when you're not encumbered with all the pleasures and all the things of the world and all the things that are going on. And then, of course, who are you surrounding yourself with? If you came here, I want you to know, in all genuineness, we're going to encourage you on that road. We're going to, again, be your big... I, if you come to me with a dream, I'm going to like, I'm going to just say, dream bigger. <laughs> I'm dreaming big for this church. Have I seen everything? No. Am I seeing the beginning of it? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's the reason God keeps pulling me back to this place of don't let the don't let the naysayers, don't let don't let Job's friends discourage you. Don't let the problems and don't certainly let just getting and other, let me put it a different way. On the path that you're walking on, getting comfortable and settled will wreck you quicker than anything else. We're never to men, meant to live just this comfortable, spiritually lackadaisical life. Amen? Because I'll tell you this, if you're not butting heads with the devil, some of you may be heading the same way as him. You hear me? The enemy also uses this. He uses deception. Everybody say deception. The book of Proverbs tells us, and I began with this, and I'll start to end with it in this sermon, and we'll go on to something next week. But... It says that there's a way that seems right to a man in Proverbs, but in the end it leads to destruction. In the book of Galatians, it asks the question, who bewitched you? The word bewitched just means you got swindled. There's a lot of swindling going on in the world with half-truths. Amen? A lot of swindling. That Nigerian prince did not send me my $10 million a few weeks ago. And I'm mad. I'm upset, y'all. It's amazing how we get caught up in deception. I'm talking all of us, isn't it? I mean, my own daughter, a few few months ago, was telling me something theological. And I said, where did you hear that? And she said, TikTok. I'm like, girl, do not get your theology from TikTok. Because I'm teaching my kids a lot of followers doesn't mean that it's true. Because I read Matthew 7 and it says many are on the path of deception and there's only few that find the path of truth, which is God is true. Let everybody else be a liar. So there's deception that comes in. You know what else gets us? Is procrastination. Oh, honey, I put the pro in procrastination, y'all. I mean, I do. But on the path that God has for us, oftentimes we say, and, and I'm going to say something in just a few minutes as we take communion. As a matter of fact, if our guys can go and get ready, if Jacob and Alexis, I'm going to start to bring it in for landing. We're going to do communion this morning. Is that good? Amen. It's our, we always do it on the, the Sundays that have an extra Sunday in it. And I know we did it just on Wednesday a few weeks ago. But right here, procrastination, because, listen, I want to tell you, the, the, and you know this, but let's get it in our spirit this morning. Tomorrow is promised to none of us. Here today, gone tomorrow, the Bible says life is like a vapor. 
I turned 50 in April, and I'm learning that Lee and I talk all the time. We're like, we blinked, and we have a senior in high school. I know many of you are in the same place. It's like, boom, your kids are going off to college, your kids are going off to full-time work. and just I know many of you have experienced that, but you start to get up in years, and you have all those people telling you, don't blink, it goes so fast. And you're like, man, I'm still changing diapers. I want it to go fast. But in procrastination, what the enemy begins to do is just distract us to the point where, again, if he can't get you with, with the, the problems and he can't get you with the, the pleasures and the people, and if he can't distract you with that, then he just gives you a false sense that, well, if God's given me this purpose, then, well, I'll just do this over here, and surely when he desires for me to do it, it'll just be there. And listen... I, walking with God is not that way. When you see an opportunity, you need to jump on the opportunity during the lifetime of that opportunity, right? And that's really what procrastination means. Procrastination assumes the current opportunity in the present will be available at a different time. And it won't. Maybe you've procrastinated and said, oh, I'll, I'll give my life to God tomorrow. I think are some of the scariest words in the Bible when Paul is talking to one of the kings and he says, Paul, thou hast almost persuaded me to become a Christian. I wonder how many almost Christians are on the path of destruction this morning. Because we think that we can procrastinate the will of God. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Amen. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Today is the day to get on that path. So ultimately, if we can overcome the enemy in those areas, then what God desires to do is to give you a purpose, to give you power, just like he did in Luke 9, where he said he called them to be with him, he brought them together, and he anointed them and sent them out two by two to go over to the road that leads to destruction. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're still in the nasty here and here, and most of you are so focused on the great by and by that you have forgotten that we have a job and a mandate and a purpose to be powerfully anointed because we have an enemy that's trying to drag people to hell. And if your theology says, well, God ordained them to go to hell, so that's just fine. No, no, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So He's given us this mandate, this purpose, the path of life to share with others of what God wants to do. So what is the blessing? Everybody say blessing. Blessing. Jesus called these disciples to be with Him. And not just those disciples, but we see crowds of people. And church, there's, there's nothing worse than just staying in the crowd and missing Jesus. The invitation he's giving to this church in this season is come be near to me. Come pursue me like never before. Come and and grow like you've never grown before. This is a season, I believe, of God's blessing and growth. And he calls these disciples to be with him for 156 weeks. They walked with him. They talked with him. They saw the blind eyes open. They saw Lazarus raised from the dead. They saw two loaves and, and a few fish 
feed thousands of people. They saw the miracles. They saw His wisdom. They saw the life of God that was placed within His Son, the Holy Spirit upon Him and in Him. And He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. They saw this. And I'm going to take you a different direction because I I sometimes think when we begin to talk about things like purpose and power and anointing, that we then begin to think, well, then God's going to put me on this great platform and I'm going to speak to tens of thousands of people. He may do that, but can I tell you that what mostly my life has been is just one of simple obedience every single day? It's like when God called me way back 26, 25 years ago, it was like, I saw things that God was going to do in my life and my ministry that I've still not seen the complete fruition of. So I'm still believing God for what's out ahead. And look, y'all, I mean, I'm telling you the truth. It looked like a million-dollar vision. still does. What I didn't know is that he cashed in the million dollars and gave me sacks of quarters. <laughs> I'm telling y'all. And every day I have a couple dollars and quarters in my in my pocket and as I go around it's just blessing people listen and serving people if you want the key of the path that God would desire for you to be on I'm telling you the key is paid with sacrifice and service because when Jesus called all them to be with him for three and a half years he's walked with them he's talked with them they've seen the miracles and we're getting ready to guys go ahead and start passing out the elements because I want to tie this in this morning with the service I had already prepared my message and then faith reminded me that we were having communion I said well this is this is perfect because this is where Jesus showed them what the true path of life is they'd walked with him they'd talked with him they'd been with him and here he calls him in John 6 chapter 6 He's got all these people with him in a big crowd. And in John 6.66, it says, literally, it says, And they turned away and followed him no more. Why did they do that? Because Jesus began to lay down what the narrow path was. And he was telling them, hey, it's going to take some sacrifice. And there's a room full of people. And it says, many looked up and said, hey, we're not willing to go that far to follow you. So they left. Jesus looks up at his disciples and he says, Do you want to leave too? I mean, I thank the good Lord that Jesus isn't like me. Because I'd have been afraid to ask if anybody else was going to leave, right? That's just my pastoral insecurities, I guess, coming out. I wouldn't say to you this morning, I'd be like, you want a hundred bucks to stay? But Peter said the most powerful thing on the path of life that we could ever get a hold of. He says, where would we go? You have the words of life. Where else can we go? And skip ahead to what we're getting ready to celebrate right now, which is the Passover. A few chapters later in every single gospel, Jesus is with His disciples. He knows that He's going to go to the cross. He knows that He's going to go and pay the price for man's sin. And He's gathered together with His disciples. And listen, this is what's astounding. Is that they had all continued and still been arguing about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Which tells me and encourages me because they had walked with the Son of God for three and a half years, personally discipled, and they still didn't get it. I wonder sometimes if I still get it. 
And what somebody says at the very end of what they know to be their life, which Jesus knew very clearly within 24 hours he's going to be crucified. Of course, he believed that God was going to amen and raise him from the dead. But I've noticed that I've been around a lot of bedsides when people pass away throughout my years of pastoring, quite a few. And it's amazing. People don't get towards the end and look around and say, could you bring my boat? I want to touch it one more time. Go grab those fishing poles. I want them here beside me, right? Go grab my checkbook. I just want to rub it on my head one more time before I go. Don't say that. Ladies, I won't leave you out of this. You're not going to say, I want those pair of shoes. I just want them here close to me as I... You call for your family. You call for an old high school friend that you've lived life with. In other words, you desire to pass something on that you would say would be the most important words of your entire life to say to somebody because you know that your time is getting ready to expire. So as they walk into the upper room to celebrate Passover of what we're going to do here right now in just a minute, as they walk in the room, James walks in and he sees a basin and a towel, a bowl and a bowl of water and a towel. Walks past it and thought, well, if Jesus loves John so much, let him wash everybody's feet. Right? John will do it. And John walks by. And he's distracted by his argument with the other disciples about who's the greatest. Remember, Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, and they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. So on the path, listen, the path that is life, if you want to find the path that is life, then you've got to find the path that is sacrifice. If you want to find the path of life, and and here's simply what it says. Everybody else said, no, that's beneath me. And I love this part, and this is what we're going to celebrate here in just a minute. We're going to celebrate the body, and we're going to celebrate the blood. Beautiful. Everybody else walked past it, and I love this because it said, again, to end our series on road trip, there's a broad way that leads to destruction. There's a narrow way. Few find it. Few find this path. Again, especially as American Christians, because I think we think a lot of things are just beneath us, right? Jesus, knowing where he came from and where he was going, took the bowl, took the towel, and began to wash each other's feet. We think that the path of life, and it does, it's got blessings, it's got encouragement, it's got wonderful victories and growth that we experience as we because every time we take a step down that path I want you to know that the the path of destruction runs so closely to the path of life that the enemy is then going to withstand you every step that you try to take don't don't get it mixed up if you want to go down the path of life and grow spiritually you're going to have to learn how to fight and secondly you're going to have to learn how to serve you are Let the greatest among you be servant of all. So if we want to reach the people on the path of destruction, we can yell at them. We can point out all their faults and their sin and their wrong. And there's nothing wrong with that because how will they know the truth unless somebody presents it to them? Amen? Like Rich's book. It's a book of truth. It's apologetics. It's okay. But can I tell you what I've seen more fruit out of than anything else? is when I lay aside my own procrastination 
I lay aside my own problems. I lay aside all those things that are trying to vie for my attention. And I just get back to the simplicity that I'm first and foremost on the path of life called to serve somebody else in some form or fashion. And listen, how will they know that we are his disciples? Because of our love for one another. Because of our service to one another. Because of how we sacrifice our own will so that we can serve and love God. Amen? I invite you to stand as we are going to take communion here in just a moment. I'm going to ask Alexis and Jacob to be ready to lead us in a worship song. Don't know what you come up with, but I believe the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you. So this walk that we're on isn't about what we can get out of it. It's about what we can give into it. And it's about us emptying ourselves so that we can take the life of God. That's what communion is a celebration of, amen? It's a, it's a celebration of the body and the blood. And you may not have been here on the Wednesday night last time we did communion, but it's fresh on my heart. So allow me just to take a moment and tell you what was present at that Passover, when Jesus washed everybody's feet, they joined together. And when they had Passover feast, they had a roasted lamb shank, they had bitter herbs, they had bread that was unleavened, and they had the cup of wine that represented the covenant that Jesus said that they were making. And he didn't break the herbs and he didn't tear the lamb apart, but he did bless and break what represented the blood and represented the body of Christ because he was about to become the sinless, spotless lamb of God because that's what it was pointing to, the Passover lamb. And church, listen, he didn't bless and break the bitter herbs. I want to tell you something this morning. When you're following Jesus on that path of life, can I tell you, it doesn't matter what the enemy throws up in front of you and tries to get you with. I want you to know this morning that it is a path of life and blessing and abundance. Even if you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, God is with us. So here's what he does. He takes the bitterness out of life, y'all. He does. You say, man, I came in here, I'm just bitter about all my circumstances of life. Can I encourage you to put your faith in him this morning? Bow your head and close your eyes. Some in here may be at a point where when I said that I'll get my life right with God tomorrow. Friend, tomorrow is not promised to anybody in this room. Nobody in this room is tomorrow promised. So with the privacy of your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to ask this simple question before we take communion. Would you desire to enter through the narrow gate today and be put by Jesus on the path of life and repent of your sins and put your faith in Him. Anybody that says they want to do that, would you just slip your hand up here? Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today asking. I ask you to forgive me. I repent of my sin. I turn my back on the world. I enter through the narrow gate. I ask you to wash me clean. Come into my life. 
Change my heart. I believe that you died. I believe that you rose again. And I believe that you love me. Come into my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Here's the second thing I want to do. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes and do what the Scripture tells us of just examining ourselves. These are great opportunities for us just to say, Lord, if there be anything in me, God, that displeases you, this is a great opportunity for us just to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. And here's what you do. This is not rocket science. It is you see it, you acknowledge it, and you turn away. You repent. Change your mind. Change your direction. Say, God, just remove that from me. I want to partake of your Holy Communion in a pure way. So Jacob's going to play and... You just spend a minute with the Lord and just ask him to examine your heart this morning. Corinthians chapter 11 for I received from the Lord that I also passed on to you the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me father we thank you for the body today of your son Jesus Christ we honor it we thank you that God his body was broken so that we may be healed Father, I pray specifically for those right here in the congregation that need a touch from heaven in their bodies. That, Lord, as we honor your body, as we come together in unity, that, Father, those who are partaking at home by way of the Internet and those who are here today, Father, we pray that this will be life to us. It would be life-giving. We honor your body. It was broken for us. God, we honor it. And I ask you to heal each and every person, not just physically, but, God, heal hearts today. Lord, there's somebody and maybe several here that your heart's just shattered. The Lord wants you to know that he's putting it back together lovingly and with careful hands. He loves you so very much. Lord, we thank you for the body of Christ. We partake of this today as a symbol of your body. You might partake of the bread. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, lift that cup up in front of you, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of for me, of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord, we honor your blood right now in this moment. God, we're so thankful that you sent your son, that his blood would be shed so that we can be forgiven of our sins. No blood, no forgiveness. So God, we thank you today and remember the sacrifice upon the cross. And Lord, we thank you that it's the blood that washes us clean. It's the blood that sanctifies and sets us apart. It's the blood that gives us power to walk down the road of life and to keep our eyes on you today, Lord. Thank you for the precious blood. In Jesus' name, you may partake. Father, thank you for your word today, God. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for your presence here with us, Father. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the body and the blood. We lift up the name of Jesus continually in our hearts and continually in our lives. God, take preeminence 
in everything we say and do, Father. Let's do our blessing this morning. Conrad, if you put that up there. We're continuing to learn this so it gets into our heart. I want to say this today, closing, by way of just knowing that you're blessed. So let's go. I am blessed. I am blessed going in and blessed going out. I'm blessed in the bowl. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed in the city and blessed in the country. My family is blessed. My home is blessed. Everything I put my hand to is blessed. Everywhere I put my foot down is blessed. Those that bless me are blessed. And I am a blessing. Go in the name of the Lord today and be blessed until we come back together. Tithes and offerings, buckets, boxes are in the back. If you'd like to leave your tithes and offerings today, go in the name of the Lord and have a blessed week. God loves you and your pastor loves you. If nobody's told you today they love you, your pastor loves you. Be blessed, blessed, blessed today.